On today's episode of Reiki Adventures, I'm going to be speaking to Martin Kelly about his, well, transformation really, um, which which we'll hear more about as we talk. So first of all, hello, Martin. Hi, Jenny, and hi to everyone that's listening. Thank you for coming along to on today's episode of Reiki Adventures. Um, it's nice to be talking to you. I wanted to sort of talk to you really as, as part of this um episode because um i'm interested to know how you got from where you were some years ago to where you are now um because i think in these these lockdown times when a lot of people are maybe it's given everybody a moment to pause and think and take stock and look at where they are and where they're going and, and what they might want to do next, etc. Um, so in, in terms of well-being, I think you've got quite a, a motivational story, really. So that's that's where we're sort of going with today's conversation. Um, if I can ask you, you I remember some time ago that, that you used to be diabetic. That's right. Yep. Uh, so in 1998... Uh, I was diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic um, by my GP, um, uh, weighing in at 23 stone. So, And just for those that uh, obviously you don't know me and you can't see me over podcast, I'm six foot tall. So you can imagine I was probably as wide as I was tall at that stage. Um, started to get, uh, started to go to the toilet a lot. I uh, was getting quite irritable a lot and, um, and falling asleep a lot all symptoms of uh, irregulated blood sugar. And that was caused by the fact that I was obese. So, uh, yeah, I was diagnosed in uh, 1998. Um, so was it from getting the diagnosis that made you think, right, I, I want to do something about this? Or was there some some other driver that, that made you sort of take steps to change? Uh, that's a really good question. If, if, well, my actual... T- the real change occurred in 2012. So that's some 14 years later. Um, but certainly getting the diagnosis kind of um, kind of triggered me to think, start thinking about my lifestyle, uh, start thinking about my health. Um, but at, at that time, I was, what, 20, 23, 24 and you kind of think you're invincible at that age. So you don't necessarily take these things too seriously. You know, it wasn't like I was having to inject insulin. Um, it certainly made me think. But uh, if I put my hand on my heart, I cannot honestly say that that was the initial trigger for me to um, start to look at my health and lifestyle. That came later in 2012. So so what do you think sort of start started you off with with? seeing the changes then was it doing something around exercise first or was it diet or was it a bit of a combination how did you sort of get get started from from that place to to where you've ended up okay so uh it was definitely it was definitely exercise i thought i could outrun my outrun what i was putting in in my body um or out exercise what i was eating um but uh, what, what triggered the change was actually I had um, had a mental breakdown or a nervous, you know, a nervous breakdown. Just lost all self esteem, self confidence, and, and everything uh, following um, uh, a particularly stressful period during work. Um, working away from family, 
And when I got back, I felt a bit of a failure. I'd let I'd let myself go. So, so all the gains that I'd made just through being a bit diet, uh, a bit healthier, I kind of came back, and I just didn't like what I looked, what I saw in the mirror. So I series of conversations, you know, trying to get my trying to get myself back. I entered three races in 2012. Um, I did a number of other things. One of the things was I joined uh, an armed forces. Um, charity on their general council, um, something that I'm quite close to because I'm an ex ex army anyway, um, and uh, I decided to raise money for them in 2012. So I entered a five mile race in the March. I entered a half marathon in the uh, June, and then I entered a 105 mile adventure race in the September. So wow. steady, steady progression, as you can see. Um, and it was after I'd done, I, I lost about, about about two stone. I lost between the November November 2011 to the March 2012. I'd lost two stone. And that was just through increasing my exercise and, and being a little bit more careful about my diet. And I say a little bit more careful. I still was pretty ignorant of what I should eat and when um, and, and what my body needed. In March. Go on, sorry. Well, I was just going to say in, in terms of the, the food, and obviously you made a, a shift in, in terms of, you know, diet and, and gaining nutrition knowledge and that. So when when you were back at the diabetes, you know, around the time of getting that diabetes diagnosis, what what kind of was what was a normal day for you food wise? What what was a, you know, your typical diet back then? When I was uh, when I was morbidly obese. Um, as the doctor described me, gosh, uh, that's quite, it's quite a big label to put on something, isn't it? To hear that it is. Um, and you know, at, at 23, 24 still didn't register. Yeah. Still didn't register, you know, the word morbid. It's like, nah, can't, it's not going to happen to me. I've got time. You know, you kind of shrug it off. Um, and when I look back now, I think really wish I'd, uh, I'd taken it a bit more seriously, a bit, more, a bit, a lot sooner. Um, yeah. and not kind of got got let myself get into that shape um but typical i mean if you got to a weekend weekends were were pretty damn awful um and it was you know you'd have full it'd be full fry ups then it'd be you'd just eat whatever i wanted through the day and then when you get to to kind of um dinner time gosh it could be it was all things that were very high in fat high in grease lots of meats you know, I uh, think nothing of just doing like a huge mixed grill um, and copious amounts of alcohol. Um, that was typically, you know, high sugar things. And it was just, just shoveling anything. I couldn't say there was a typical day because it was just, I was eating and way too, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Way too, way too much. Uh, vegetables were, um, you know, if you've got a, a slice of cucumber, it, vegetables were the kinds of things that went on a burger just to try and salve it Thanks. a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, but that you didn't want to put too much of them on because it took away from the bread and the meat. Right. So, so, what, so how did you go from being somebody who was kind of having that kind of food diary going on to, to somebody who learned so much about nutrition over the the years what what sort of got you got you shifting in the on the food side of things the big trigger so i learning about things like low glycemic 
carbohydrates, the roles that carbohydrates, protein, good, healthy fats play in the diet, the importance of nutrition. I mean, they were played at it uh, over, over the years up till 2012. And then once I got into 2012 and I got the, I got this training plan, it's for, you know, for all these races and, and a purpose that was bigger than just me trying to get healthy. It was, it was to raise money for a charity that meant something to me. After I'd done the five mile run in March, I was, I was absolutely destroyed. And I thought, how the hell am I going to manage to do 105 miles in the September? I just couldn't, couldn't visualize it, couldn't see it. Um, and I got introduced to um, a couple of nutrition coaches and um, they just gave me a really dead simple structure. And just in the process of practicing on my, you know, myself and learning what worked for me, getting the right balance of carbohydrate, making sure I had a breakfast. Um, that was one of the things, that, one of the habits I got into was skipping breakfast and fueling on coffee all day, yeah. uh, particularly when I was at work. Um, so actually starting my day with a healthy breakfast, which was balanced between carbohydrate, protein and fats, making sure I was, uh, was snacking little and often and it was high protein, you know, protein based, understanding how, how, much body my pro- how much protein my body needs um, to fuel it, to build the muscle that was necessary for the physical exertions, the critical role that hydration plays. It became part. It became part of my training plan, part of my 2012 goal. Um, yeah. But it was triggered by the fact that I realised after I'd done the five miler that if I just carried on just trying to train physically and eating the way I was, that I was not going to achieve what I'd set out to do. I had to do something differently. So how did you? How did you go from um, being on the? Um you know make, making that shift and you, you know you, you'd obviously got got going with the the running by then and you were getting the the, the coaching as, as you say so um what sort of thing did you sort of learn in terms of like you said you you switched with your, your nutrition and you started to think of like hydration and water and having bre- a proper breakfast and and that kind of things so what sort of things would you say motivated you on the on the food front would did, did you learn to cook did you um it, you know completely change your shopping habits how, how did you sort of keep that going um I think it changes made within the family so actually we we kind of all not the uh not that you know everyone in the family was in the same position as I was but it was something we it was a switch we made so we removed the unhealthy things from the diet. Um, we committed to a period of time to say, do you know what, Let, let's kind of stick with this and get it going. But the, the other thing for me was I started to see results really quite quickly. So I, I got myself to about 18, 19 stone come November 2011. Um, by the time I started... Um, I did the five miler. I was down at about 16 and a half, 17 stone. By the time I was doing the half marathon in the June, I, I'd lost another two stone. So I was getting results. My times were getting faster. And anyone who's ever entered a marathon or a half marathon or you know, distance race, you, you, you're expected to put in your predicted finish time. 
well, I kind of worked on Naismith's rule, which is a calculation for walking and, and estimated two hours 45 for a half marathon. Um, by the time I got to the half marathon, I'd run a couple of practice ones and I was sub two hours. So for me, it was the, it was seeing the results that were coming through. It was having the plan and sticking to it. Having a coach who held me accountable, you know, was checking in on me um, and helping me when I was feeling a bit, look, I don't think this is working. But actually getting the results, starting to see tangible results, both in terms of the fact that my trousers were falling down off me, um, my shirts were hanging off me, and it was happening quickly. And I, my running was getting so much better. It was just, um, just a combination of all those things, I think. Yeah, and and I noticed we've been, you know as we've been talking, you've not once mentioned stepping on the scales, and it, it's funny how when people do talk about about you know dieting and, and changing their food habits, a lot of people want to see the numbers on the scales change, yeah. but I think we we feel it in our clothes, don't we? And and we start to feel it first, and then and then other people start to see it as as that carries on. Um, so it, it's. Do you think there's? Did you feel that you were like motivated to see the numbers change on the scales, or were you going by your your running times and your 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 and your clothes? I'd be a complete liar if I said it was purely um, purely uh, you know what dress size was I or uh, or my running times. Um, they were important factors, but um, I'm a bit of a data geek. Uh, I do like numbers. I like. I like trends. So for me, it, it was important to to step on, to have some sort of quality, uh, quantitative measurement because that that was an absolute for me. I think the key, here's the key difference is though, um, I actually measured my chest, my neck and my waist. So I got, you know, the old fashioned tape measure. Um, yeah. Every, it was the same day, every week at the same time. Um, it came, the tape measure came out. I do my measurements. The other thing that I did was I, I bought a relatively cheap set of body composition scales. I think I paid about thirty pound for them, um, and I know you can pay hundreds for them these days. And what I did was I I wasn't solely focused on my weight. I was more interested in my body fat percentage and my visceral fat. And visceral fat, for those that don't know, is is the fat that surrounds your internal organs. Um, so, to put it bluntly, this is the stuff that helps cause heart attack, stroke, and, and cardiovascular disease. Um, and as you and and you don't see it, it's not the stuff that makes you look fat. You can be, you know, relatively you could look relatively um, uh, fit bodied, but you could still have a lot of visceral fat the types of foods that you're consuming. So I'd be measuring my body fat percentage rather than my weight because you'll hear the adage, oh, muscle weighs more than fat, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. No, it doesn't. One kilogram of muscle weighs the same as one kilogram of fat. It's one kilogram. The key difference though, and this is why, you know, when people don't see the scales move, but they... Yeah, they, they talk about a plateau, don't they, if they're not seeing it come down again. Yeah, you don't see the weight come down. But if you if you if if your diet's particularly poor, and you introduce protein, you start giving the body what it needs. I mean, the body's a two million plus year old technology; it knows what to do when you give it what what it needs. 
So if you put protein in, which is the building block uh, for building muscle, your body will start to naturally build the muscle it needs for the level of activity you're doing. If you don't put the, the protein in, it won't, it won't grow. So when you put that muscle in, you, and obviously you, you start to reduce your body fat, your weight can stay the same. But if your body fat percentage comes down and your muscle goes up, the one thing that will change the physical you know, presentation of you is your size. You know, you might be the same weight, but because muscle takes up less volume per kilogram than body fat, that's where your body starts to shrink. You can be the same weight, but, but physically smaller. Does that make sense? It, it does. It does. And, you know, I think when you've talked about the things where you've done the, the being a bit of a data geek and liking to see the, 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 the stats coming in, if you like, about the um, visceral fat and the, the measurements and, and taking those measurements each, each week, I suppose they're, they're the things that you, you start to track and you almost kind of hold yourself accountable to yourself. Um, yeah. So, when um you're um you know obviously on this journey and, and doing well and you've you've got those um things to help you focus what do you find if you're going to have a a down day or an off day which we all do because we're human what what do you sort of tap into to keep you going and keep you motivated on those kind of days uh do you mean like uh cheat days with the food or uh, yeah or maybe, maybe yeah. you've got a, a you know a, a special occasion weekend or something where you know it's not going to be the healthiest environment for food how, how do you overcome those kind of things uh well first of all you don't bin all your mates that aren't into healthy stuff because you need a little bit of that i think um <clears throat> the other thing and this i've learned this over the last eight years so hindsight's great um but I'm a big advocate that uh, learn from the mistakes of others because it can accelerate your learning and your success. So um, hopefully you'll, you'll, people will pick something up from this. But if you if you start to deny yourself stuff and start saying, I can't have that, I can't have that, and go strict, and I am on a diet, then you're instantly putting yourself into a negative mindset because what you are starting to do is say, I can't have this, I can't have that, and I can't have the other. When you start to to develop your your basic knowledge, and you know, okay, I've probably maybe talked a little bit more in depth around some of the the components of nutrition. But if you start to understand the basics, you start to understand how you can achieve balance. So those special occasions where you have a slab of cake, or that weekend away where basically you do go and have your fry up in the morning. You have your, your cream tea in the afternoon and then you're having a three-course meal with a couple of glasses of wine in the evening because you're away. Maybe it's a, an anniversary or a birthday or something like that. You learn about balance, and that's not about starving yourself. It's about just understanding the impact of that and not trying to correct that calorie excess too quickly. You still need to fuel your body every single day. And all you do is just reduce it a little bit. So I think it, how do I keep track? For me, it's about knowing that, do you know what? One bad day, one deviation or a temporary deviation in the bigger scheme of things will not make me take me back to where I was. Yeah. If you get a flat, if you get a flat tire on your car, you don't go, oh, right, I'm going to go and punch the other three. 
just because yeah. you've, you know you've got one. So it's that kind of mindset and mentality. You've got to think longer and say one day is not going to derail the rest of my life. Yeah, that's that's very true. If um, somebody is diagnosed with with diabetes, um, and just from a place of trying to to understand, do do is somebody who's diabetic? Do you check in? I know you you can do your own. Is it insulin and things like that where you sort of regulate that everything's okay? Do, does the doctor do like schedule checkups with you anyway to check that you're doing okay? How how did you get to the point where you learned you were no longer diabetic? No, yeah, okay, good question. So I think medical I'm gonna talk about my personal experience because if people are you know are listening that, that are diabetic. Absolutely. Everybody's yeah. situation is, is gonna be different, isn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, uh at all times I followed my GP's advice. So I was, when I was diagnosed, I was under the GP. Um, I was also under the hospital, um, you know, where they'd regularly check. They check things like your, the pulse in your feet and the responsiveness in your feet. They check your eyes because of complications with your eyes. They take bloods and it, it sometimes it could be every three months, particularly if I was badly controlled, um, you know, because they'd want to closely monitor um, the average level of sugar in my blood to the point where, um, you know, you once you're into a kind of stable maintenance with medication, and in my case, it was with tablets, not with insulin, um, that would slow down the absorption of sugar in my blood. My checkups would be half yearly. And those checkups would go pretty much from, you know, during, uh, during mid probably 2005 to about 2000 and uh, till 2012 they all went the same as well you could be doing better you could be doing better you could be doing better i was taking something i think it was like nine or ten tablets a day just to just to kind of control. and i got bored of it i got bored of having to take tablets thinking this is the rest of my this is going to be the rest of my life um when i got it when i started to lose the weight lose the body fat right that's the important bit when I started to lose the body fat through changing my diet, changing my exercise regime during 2012, and I started to come down to a healthy body composition, basically the body that my, the insulin that my body was producing was no longer inhibited by the amount of body fat that I had. So it was, it was working more effectively. So the insulin was able to regulate my blood sugar more effectively. And obviously, because I was putting less sugar into my body, because I was eating more healthily, you know, it's kind of like a, a double whammy. Over the course, and this is where the um, my diabetic nurse and the, the GP were explaining to me, is that the um, the medical board or you know whoever decides this these kind of things would say that actually, if you can maintain your blood sugar, your average blood sugars below a certain level for a sustained period, if you're a type 2 diabetic, which I was, then they class your diabetes as resolved. In other words, you've actually managed to uh, give your body the chance to use its insulin uh, and control your blood sugar, and therefore you don't need to be on medication and you don't need to be um, monitored uh, any longer because actually what you've done is you've reversed the cause which was being obese, having too much body fat and being unhealthy, reverse the cause and therefore 
you know, you've, you've almost like, I don't want to say treated it um, because that sounds like, it, you know, it's, it's the case, but you, you've reversed the reasons for you having to be on medication in the first place. So for me, I think it was 2012 was the start of that. It took two years because I was on half yearly assessments. It took two years for me to get the tick in the box that said, you know what, you're absolutely fine. Uh, your blood sugar now is is controlled within a non-diabetic level. Therefore, you know you stay in that that criteria because of the prolonged time that I was, my blood sugars were out of control. Though I have suffered a few issues with my eyes um, in terms of uh, burst blood vessels, so I continue to have my eyes monitored um, every year, and that's just to make sure that it, it they don't deteriorate. Um, and I have my feet checked and that's more so because of the, um, again, the, the prolonged period that I was control not controlling my blood sugars, plus the fact that I do a significant amount of running now. Um, it's just important that I, I may not detect some problems in my feet. Um, so I get them checked annually as well. Wow. So when you first got the, um, diagnosis of being diabetic you said you know you were young you didn't really you know think about the the repercussions of it and and you you weren't you didn't act on it straight away sort of thing so when you got that news that you were diabetic and you maybe didn't appreciate the seriousness of it by the time you got to the point where you were told you no longer needed to have those that medication and you you weren't classed as diabetic how did you feel when you got that information oh it was bloody brilliant <laughs> you know it's like uh um and and i didn't want to go and get cream cakes and champagne to celebrate either uh it was <laughs> i think the seed was the seed was sown um when i started to to reduce my body fat and they started to see my results coming down and saying do you know if you keep this going i thought do you know what? if i get to that point i won't have to keep coming up here every six months to my gps to be tested they won't harp on at me about taking my tablets. Um, you know, uh, so for me, it was, it was a kind of huge, a huge relief. Um, that, uh, yeah, that just actually, I didn't have that hanging over me any longer. As you get older, you start to worry a bit more. I think about the, um, your perception changes, doesn't it? How you view yeah, things. Yeah. 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 And I'd, I'd become a father. Uh, in the years between being diagnosed and um, and resolving, and and certainly for me, um, becoming a parent changed my perspective on other things because all of a sudden, you know, there's these two little people that are actually dependent upon me. Yeah. Well, that's really that's really good. You've um, you, you painted a, a really you know good. Um, de description really of of how somebody you know was given a diagnosis of being diabetic and the the I hate to say the J word again but that journey you went on to to get to to the place where you are now in terms of no longer being diabetic and and also you you now give some so kind of like support and guidance to others who were who were looking to 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 get more healthy and get more active is that right? Yeah, um, I do. I, it's, I think, 
when I, when I started in 2012, it, the the motive was for me because of, of how I was feeling mentally and physically about myself. Um, and I knew that by forcing, I, I, if it had just been to run to run and it was purely for me, I'd have probably given up um, because I was so embarrassed. I used to run in the dark so that nobody could see me. Um, so by, by doing it for a charity, I knew that actually I, I'd made a commitment to somebody and therefore I, I couldn't do that. I got supported and I got, I got so much help that, um, and it's led me over the last eight years to, um, I mean, I've been able to run in some remarkable places like, uh, out in the UTM, uh, ultra trail Mont Blanc in the Alps, um, running in Scotland, running around Anglesey in Wales, the, the friends that I've made, um, the adventures that we've had, not all of them have been fun, but, um, you know, there's, there's just some, it's just op- opened so many doors and avenues and my life is totally different right now. Um, that I started to, a lot of people just used to say to me, what is it you're doing? Because we can see the change. See in 2012, they say, we can see the change in you. And that was the point where I just went, do you know what? If I can pass the knowledge on to you, it might just helps, you know, if it helps one person, it helps one person. So um, all I'm doing is just passing on. I'm doing the same that those two coaches did for me when I first started. Doesn't mean to say that everybody that I help is wanting to, is a diabetic. Um, doesn't mean to say that everybody I help is is a runner or wants to be an ultra runner or a marathoner. Um, it's just basically people that want to learn about nutrition to make a change in their life for whatever like reason. We we often hear people say that phrase of oh yeah you just need to eat less and move more but it's it's so much more to it than that isn't there because there's there's a whole I mean I'm nobody's expert in anything but there's a whole sort of psychology around food and why people eat and you get emotional eaters and and all different types of reasons why people have some of the sort of eating stories that they've got so if somebody was maybe listening to this and they did want to start to take some steps maybe maybe they've you know at their way through lockdown or, or they might have had a, di- a diabetic diagnosis and and they're wanting to, to make a shift and take some steps to make a change you know if somebody did want to get hold of you to to ask more or find out more to see what they could do how, how could they reach you okay well the best thing then is um is to email me um and then what we could do is what i'd always say is i'd, I'd set up a quick 20 minute 30 minute conversation um and that is purely to understand what is it that you want to achieve why do you want to do it and you know how strong is your motivation how strong is that reason why we'd then start to look at what does your daily pattern look like and suggest you know the different changes but best way email me and you can get me at martin kelly pwx at gmail.com that's great. I was just going to say I'll put that um, email address on the um, introduction to your podcast episode as well. And then if people want to to make contact with you directly after after hearing this, then then they can. Um, I just wanted to say a big thank you to you, Martin, for coming on today's podcast. You've, you've definitely given people an insight into 
um, steps that they can take to, to change and to, to, to have a shift um, in, in whatever way that be on the exercise or the, the nutrition. And, and very often it's, it's putting the two together, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so a massive thank you for coming on today's episode. And um, we look forward to um, finding out what you get up to next. Oh, thank you, Jenny. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you for, for inviting me along. And, and folks, you know, the one thing I would say is, look, you don't, I'm nothing, I'm nothing extraordinary. I'm just a, I'm just a normal guy. So, you know, don't, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It, it really is. You just, we just need a little bit of education, a little bit of help and a little bit of support. Um, and we can achieve some remarkable things. Jenny, thank you so much for inviting me along. I really loved it. Thank you. You're very welcome.